Welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. We've got a great show for you this week. What a week in sports it's been already. The Richmond race up in Virginia that ended with a furious battle to the checkered flag that I loved every second of. The Boston Marathon, Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Can you believe that? What if I'd have said this last week? Tiger Woods will win the Masters. No, he won't. Well, yes, he did. That accomplishment for Tiger with all he's been through and all he's overcome was, was just so fun to watch. Before we get on to our guest, Corey LaJoy, who I'm so thankful has come to visit us, and he just works his rear end off to be here, to have a ride, to make sure he's doing everything he can to be a winning driver in NASCAR. And I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts and, and sharing some stories with Corey. He and uh, his dad and I go way back, way back in the day, and, and I know that Corey's a, a great young man and really looking forward to hearing his story. Green flag, green flag. I never thought when I turned on the TV Sunday that there would be any reason in the world when that golf game was over for me to be crying. Well, damn, that's exactly what I did. When he was hugging his kids, I, I just, it just drove me to tears. And I'm so, so thankful that the Masters was moved ahead. I mean, like five or six hours, they moved the start up of the biggest golf tournament of the year because they knew weather was coming and they couldn't chance the patrons being out there in the weather and the golfers being out there in the, in the severe weather. That, whoever made that decision, that takes a lot of balls to, to say, we're gonna move this up till nine in the morning. Uh, and it took a lot of cooperation, I'm sure, from, from networks and, and golfers and people to, to be able to, to slide that thing up ahead and, and make sure that the, the golf game went down and that's what happened. And then Monday morning, what did Jimmy Johnson do after a, a really competitive, great run at Richmond from the back? He qualified up, uh, up near the front and had to go to the rear for some inspection issues. He was able to, to fight his way to a top 15 finish. And then he flew to Boston and ran the Boston Marathon. And he ran it in, what was it, 3.09 and change? About a 7.09 minute mile. Go try to run one of those. Try to run one seven minute mile. Jimmy Johnson ran 26 miles and finished in 309. I'm so happy for him. We were able to talk to him on, on the Fox uh, broadcast Saturday night about the experience and everything that, that he put into to running the Boston Marathon. And I used to run marathons. I, I did run Boston. I didn't run it in three hours and nine minutes, however. Um, but, but the reason why I ran, was because I wanted to be a better race car driver. I wanted the competition to see me running and understand that they might outrun me, but they would never outlast me. And my experience of running, it allowed me, it enabled me to, to sort of sort through a lot of the things that were going on in my life and focus more on my car and think about how I was gonna be faster. Or as I was running around the tracks, I would look at the grooves and wonder, you know, is there anything I can do better or different? So. Jimmy Johnson said the same thing. He thought it made him a better race car driver because of his commitment to, to, to running and his physical fitness. He also told me, by the way, that tomorrow he will not be running. Like this week when Boston's over with, he's done running for a while. He is gonna get back on his bicycle. He said he's really missed his bicycle. And if you're not familiar with Jimmy, he's run a half Ironman before. That's like 70 some miles on a bike after a 25 mile or shoot, I don't know. I can't even say all the numbers. It's a lot. He's able to, to, to swim that far, ride a bicycle for 70 miles or whatever, and then run a half marathon. He's already done that a couple of times. So running the marathon, I didn't have any doubt that he would be 
uh, strong all the way through, and that's that was certainly the case today. So I'm really proud of him, really thankful that I got to talk to, uh, to him about that experience, and also happy to be able to enjoy that thrilling victory by Tiger in the Masters. Speaking of victory, the race to the checkered at Richmond. Let me, let me, listen to me. So many people are complaining about the lack of cautions. Well, that, that, is, that is why we have stage breaks. It's to, to, to give people a chance to regroup. Cars don't break anymore. Engines don't blow. The tires are, are durable. Mostly, you're, got, you're, not, you're just probably not gonna see a lot of cautions because the, the equipment is so good. And, and when you do, that's, that's great. But what we did not need with 50 to go at Richmond was a caution. That pursuit, that job of driving, that Joey Logano, that, that Clint Boyer, that, that Martin Truex Jr. did our winner, it, it was incredible to watch. Richmond's a track where your tires don't stick and, and you, 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 you can't do the things you wanna do. You just have to figure out a way to get it around the track. Taking into consideration that I used to drive those cars, I understand, I, I knew, I, I could just tell how hard they were fighting and how hard they were battling to try to get to the checkered flag. There was lap traffic involved that they were working their way through. They were side by side. And I don't think anybody even touched a bumper. I mean, it was just old style classic NASCAR all the way to the checkered. It was something to celebrate. What a great crowd we had at Richmond as well. Their new fan zone down in the infield. I went down there to watch the start of the race. I did my grid walk with Rondé Barber, which was awesome. I didn't know Rondé was gonna be in town. Former Super Bowl champion, future NFL Hall of Famer. They're able to talk to Coach Gibbs and some of the drivers down on, uh, down on the grid. That was really cool. And then after the grid walk, I went down to the fan zone and just hung out. Stood there with the fans, signed some autographs, took some pictures, and then watched the first uh, 20 so laps of the race. And it was a, a great vibe in the fan zone. People were having them a, a margarita or a beer and, and just in general, enjoying the night. And the scene there for me was as good as it gets. So thanks to all the fans that came out to Richmond. Thanks to everybody that tuned in on Fox and watched the race Saturday night. Let's get this show on the road. What do you say? And for outlandish graphic schemes, we have this. <laughs> Whoa, oh. coming at you at 200 miles an hour. <laughs> Corey LaJoy. Corey, it's good to have you here. I love your story. I, I know most of it. I've known your family forever and can't wait to dig into some of the details. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to tell you a little bit about it because what's on the surface isn't quite what's underneath <laughs> of it. Well, we've talked on the Walter Unfiltered before and I've told many people, everybody that gets here got here for a reason. It wasn't because they could necessarily drive the wheels off something. They had funding, they had family. They, they got to NASCAR, they got their chance because of somebody. Somebody sponsored them. Or, or their name meant something and it helped them get going. Getting here is, I won't say easy because a lot of people don't ever get the chance, which is sad, I hate that. Yeah. But if you get the chance, getting here is not, not what it's all about. Staying here is what it's all about. That's right. And that's who you are. You, you've, you've, you showed up, your, your father is a two-time Xfinity Series champion, your grandfather a Hall of Fame modified racer in the Northeast. And, and, and obviously, that's how you grew up. You're gonna be a racer. Yeah, well, I could have been a couple different things, and uh, I played baseball through high school. I love that sport, but when I looked kind of into the future of choosing to be a race car driver or wanting to play 182 baseball games a year, there was no question on what, what I wanted to do was, was drive race cars, and that happened when I was probably 16, 
like sophomore in high school was like the fork in the road where I had to pick the mayonnaise or the mustard and I, I went with racing. I was just way more passionate about it. And to spin off that story, we were talking before we got going here about, you know, like forks in a road on, in, in your career versus, you know, with perseverance. I was I was working for dad, welding seats, with the joy of seating, uh, going to high school, doing what normal 16-year-olds do, right? You were welding my seats. Pro I probably was, yeah. <laughs> and um, we built, so dad always had me like second-hand, third-hand cars, right? He'd always get me old Bandoleros, an old Pro Challenge car, an old late model, and ran like I should have in a half-assed car. So he was like, okay, this is your one shot. I'm going to get you a new Steve Levitt car. Yeah. Late model stock. And Those let, are the best. Let you build, they were the best. We're going to let you build it, and we're going to go race this thing a couple times next year. And if you can hack it, you can hack it. If not, then that'll be it, and you can figure out something else. Sure, no problem. So me and my buddy Steve-O uh, worked at the seat shop all day long. Worked on this late mile stock till 2 o'clock in the morning every night. Right? Spent all winter long building it, machining all the bolts down, cutting threads perfect. Like, this thing was perfect. We go to Rockingham to test it. Shake it down. There's a big UARA race there couple weeks later or whatever. Were, were you, let me ask you this, were you nervous? I remember when I was a kid and I built my car, I helped build my car. I, when I got in it, I'm like, yeah, shit. Nervous, like you're, you're thinking about every bolt you did what, or didn't what tighten if, up. And what if, what if it's perfect and, and I wreck it? Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> so we go out, do, I mean, Rockingham was the biggest track at this point I've ever been on. Uh -huh. it's, it feels humongous. What, what year was this? Um, probably 2007, mm -hmm. 2008. I was 16, 17 maybe, and go out there, shake it down. Heights are how heights are good, and we're trying to figure out sitting on the coalbine spring, which I've never done before. So run about five laps, make sure th nothing was leaking, nothing was rubbing, perfect. Next run, we're gonna see what this thing's got. Down the front stretch, first lap, wide open into turn one, left rear hub, all the ears on a wide five hub broke off. Mm. Driver side into the fence, put the left front upper control arm, like knocked the carburetor off, like. Big wreck. Knock you out? Uh, no, I had a good seat, so I was in good shape. Did you weld it? I, I welded okay. it. Up. It was old. It was old Dale Jarrett seat. Actually, so, <laughs> I don't know if I was a uh, good enough welder to weld my own seat. I might have tried somebody else's, but I... I, I, yeah, yeah, I hear. You. So we had to borrow the rollback from Rockingham to take this thing back to the shop. It was so wrecked. So I'm looking at it like, okay, my racing career is over. Quickly, when it when it broke, did you know like? Obviously, you you felt something break, and you didn't know what it was. No. Well, when we when the ambulance come pick me up, I was riding, looking out of the back window, just trying to gather my thoughts. And we drove all the way around the track, and we were pulling into the pit road. And I said, "Hey, stop right here!" Got out of the back of the ambulance, and the left rear tire with the hub still attached to it was yeah in the middle of three and four. They had a bad batch of hubs, winners did or something. And Holy cow! Destroyed a car. But uh, fast forward. Uh, uh, Eddie Sharp was there testing an ARCA car with some, whoever he had driving, and he called Dad the next day, Monday. Dude, is your kid okay? Like, he about killed himself. Brian, you know, Dad's like, you know, he's sad because that was the only car he had. He was going to run this a couple times. He said, I'll tell you what, I got the sister car to that one that Steve Levitt built for him. It's just a chassis sitting here. If he wants to come over and build it, he can go run Rockingham. Sweet. How much time did you have? Uh, like a week and a half. It was bare chassis. So I'm in high school still. So I had enough credits. And obviously your car's totaled. Total, yeah, yeah. The only thing I took was a seat. Mm. So 
uh, he, his shop was in Denver. I lived in Concord. It's about a 38-minute drive one way. And that's running the speed limit, right? That's running, eh, I'm sure it was, yeah. So I, drew, I left school every day for a week and a half, and granted, a lot of guys pitched in and helped, and we get this car done. And we go, to, we go to Rockingham, qualified third with it, end up winning the race. And that was like, the, that was the turning point of my, like, that was, I could have not drove to that shop and built that car. Yeah. And I could have just figured, done something else. So right. that was the, that was when I really was all in. That was, the, that was the turning point. That shows a lot of discipline and determination. And, and, and that's, like I said earlier, you can get here a lot of different ways, but the only way you stay here is if you have that drive yeah. and you have that determination that no matter what the numbers are stacking up like or the situations are, you're going to come to work every day and say, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm good at this. I know I am, and I'm going to make it work. It's tough to explain how, because everybody just assumes it's my, since my dad was a successful race car driver that the road was paid for me. Right. And, you know, fast forward three or four years ago, I was crew chief in a K&N West car for David Mayhew to pay my bills. Just because all the driving stuff dried up. I was at uh, Richard Petty driving, or I was at Richard Petty racing with a, as a development driver. That stuff's kind of dried up, and then I just was flying out west on a Wednesday, flying out to Kernersville, or Bakersfield, sorry, working on setting the car up, and we'd go to the race. Yeah. And... I was actually having a lot of success with that. Yeah, I bet y'all, I mean, David Mayhew always hauled yeah, ass. Yeah, so we won Sonoma and three or four other races that year. And a, a f funny side note, uh, I could get a long, little long wind. Are we trying to keep this thing short? Yeah, we, we got all day. And you could probably chop it up, whatever you got to, right? So <laughs> We don't let him chop. He's not in charge so of it. So we win a race at Evergreen Speedway. Remember the, the yeah. truck series race right. out there? So we won. We Washington, smoked. right? Yep. So we smoked them. I say we, he smoked them. I set the car up. It was a package deal now. So a uh, week or two goes by, and Jimmy Johnson texts me. He goes, I'm, I couldn't sleep one night, and I turn on Fox Sports 1 or whatever they were, had on the TV for the yeah, Canada West. Yeah, Fox Sports. And, and, uh, and, and he's like, I, I thought that I was hearing it wrong. I heard that Corey the Joy was crew chief for David Mayhew. And he was wondering if there was another core of the joy. He texted me, he says, hey, are you crew chief in a West car? Yeah. He goes, well, like, do you want to be a crew chief? I, I, he said, I didn't know you, like, you gave up driving. I yeah. said, I didn't give up driving. I just don't have anything to drive. Yeah. And he was like, well, why don't you like call Chad and we'll get you going over here at Hendrick. And I was like, hmm, I'll, I'll call him, right? I'm not going to tell Jimmy Johnson no, right? Like, uh, he's, like my, he's like my hero. So yeah. Your hero just ran a 309. Boston Marathon, by the way. I saw that. When he I was ran in 26 here. miles in three hours and nine that minutes. That is crazy. And that's a 7:10, 7:11 pace. Yeah, he said he was gonna try to keep around seven, seven minute mile. Yeah, it's just, it's so cool. I got to interview. I, I don't even, I could run one mile in seven minutes, <laughs> let alone 26.2 of them. Well, you have to, you have to have, again, you got to be committed. And he's been committed and really looking forward to this. And yeah, he said his. I'm sorry to change subjects, no. but he said. His, his main deal was he just didn't want to overdo it early because he's going to be so pumped up about yeah. being there. But I, I think it's awesome. So tell me the rest of the story about, about Jimmy. So Jimmy forwards me Chad's number. Hey, call Chad. See what he's got. Okay. So, I, you know, it's like Chad Knauss. I think they just won a championship or something like And, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll call Chad Knauss up. What am I going to tell him? This is 2007, 10, no, 10, 12? No, this is, uh, no, this is 14, 15, only like three years ago. Wow. Three years ago. Yeah, four years ago, maybe. So, so from 2007, you get to run that, 
that, that, that late model, late model. I had some success. I won in a late model stock at Rockingham three times in a row. Um, then I then no, dad, you won five K and N races. Dad, dad steals a K and N car from Mike Hillman, that Mike ended up letting us have. So it was an old Michael uh, Michael Annette car that we made all nice and won five races, went, ran second in the championship. Wow. Then we stole another ARCA car from Mike Hillman. One there too, right? Won three out of four races in that one. And then... You got to be thinking, I got this. Oh, yeah, so this is easy. You know, like I'm going to be the next Jeff Jimmy Ford, Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, right? So signed the deal with uh, Richard Perry Motorsports. Couldn't find any uh, funding. And when they, they got me in a, a four-race deal with Biagi to Bessie Race in the 98 car. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of seat time, and I was trying to do too much and ended up wadding a bunch of cars. So that kind of dried up, and I had Now a, you're a damn crew chief. Nah, I had to, I had to put my tools to work. <laughs> so <laughs> I called Chad Canals, Chad, Corey the Joy. Hey, man, what's going on? You, like, what are, you, what are you doing? Calling me. Well, Jimmy saw that I was crew chief in a Canon West car. See about calling you, maybe getting you in the Hendrick system, working on one of these things. And he goes, well, come over and see me. So I thought about it and slept on it a couple of nights. And I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to like give this thing up yet. I, like I'm making okay money, crew chief, and, and and with like low responsibilities right now. I don't want to like once you go over to the big house, right? Like you're hey, in. You're in it. You know, there's no more driving on the weekends. Like you're working on it. So texting him back, I'm like, hey man, I'm not ready to make the make the switch. Yet. Give up the dream. I don't want to give up the dream. I was still 21, 20. And you know, I think I, I, I know that I can compete with these guys. I just need the right opportunity. And uh, he's like, I, I respect that. And it's funny now we still talk about that when we see each other in the garage. You know how how I could have been over there slinging springs for him, but now I'm now I'm making a pretty decent name for myself on on the behind the wheel. Yeah. And and when you when you made that decision and you were crew chiefing, what was your next opportunity? How did you finally get into something so, again? Yeah, it's a good question. So. I met a company when I was still with Petty's called U-Theory. Uh, it was a collagen and a turmeric supplement company. Mm-hmm. And they followed me on my social media, and they they liked how my brand, you know, Christian guy and all that, they met up with, just matched up with their brand, an uh, active company. So I met with them at Phoenix when I was out there crew chiefing for, for David, and they said, hey, we're going to give you, we'd like to help you out and get you back in the seat. I was like, Sweet, you know. That's awesome. So they gave me a little bit of money. I went over to JGL, uh, the the title not run anymore, but I ran ten Xfinity races that following year, and then that just kind of got the snowball rolling. I met Ron Devine. Uh, Ron gave me the opportunity to drive his Cup car part time three years ago, and it's just kind of taking some traction from there. But you know, I'm just scrapping, clawing, and doing all I can to stay. Yeah, and and this year, I, you know this I came and found you on purpose at Texas and and said you've moved the 32 car up the grid a couple of spots and and people that watch me on TV I I love the job that Tyler Reddick and Noah Gregson and and these young guys do when they get their opportunity and I love it when they're successful but I pay as much attention to guys like you at at the time or or Dylan Bassett this weekend at Richmond, Chase, uh, Ross Chastain, all those guys that get in cars that you you really haven't noticed that much, and all yeah. of a sudden they get your attention. Yeah, and that's to... that's what you've done this year with 32. You've you've really done a nice job of picking up the pace for those I appreciate guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, and we've had some good runs. We broke some things, and uh, but we we were in good at Richmond last week. We we're in 26th. 
which, you know, we, we beat Bubba, which Bubba's not, not probably happy about. We beat all the front row cars with their old, with their old race cars that they sell us. Uh, so anytime we can do that, it's, it's always good. And we've had uh, some top 20 runs. We had a brake line problem at Martinsville where we had a good car there. But, you know, we're just looking forward and, and hopefully we can keep digging. And, and for the folks listening, 26, like if I – it's yeah, hard, it's, it's not sexy. It's hard to say how proud you are of yeah. that finish, but damn, I mean, you 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 got all that was there. You, it's you, hard. It's hard to like. It's hard to get any validation or you know get yourself excited because we know as a team when we check all the boxes, twenty six a great day. Yes. Like, but the fans watching think that Corey the Joy sucks because he finished twenty six. Right, but they're you know, wrong. They're wrong. Like, we spend three to four million dollars. We're racing guys that spend twenty. Right. So it's hard to, and you don't want to be that brash about it, but man, 26 is good for us. I thought but 26 on paper sucks. <laughs> you know, like when you look at this, no, and racing a, reference. Yeah, and it says a bunch of zeros. A bunch of zeros, zero top five, zero top tens, zero poles, lap sled, zero. Like, I know that, you know? It's, right. But there's so many untangibles that you can get just by learning how to, to make the most out of every run on the racetrack, whether you are giving up time to leaders and trying to minimize that time loss. Like, there's lots of things I'm learning now uh, that the light at the end of the tunnel, if I do get in a championship winning car, that's going to apply uh, when it's not when it's not really received well or talked very much about it right now. I think it's going to pay off. Well, and the thing about it is not only do I notice as a, as a media guy now, but the garage notice, your peers look at you and say, you know, he he did a nice job this weekend in that yeah. car. And so that that means the other owners are noticing and and Go Fast Racing has to be really pleased with the job you've done, not only behind the wheel, but but your Daytona 500 car was, <laughs> um, you might have zeros in those columns, but give, that I'll give you a number. for the paint scheme. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a number one there. How did that come about? So I guess that. You see social our, media guy here, he'll insert the photo now. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be awesome. And I walked in and I was looking at this helmet. I should use that. The, how beautiful is that helmet? I mean, I mean it's, it's freaky. It's freaky. But you put that helmet on in in association with that car. I don't see how I don't see how you can go wrong. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I should have wore this damn thing. Let me get a picture of you so I can put it on my Twitter. It's kind of weird with the lips, but we'll get over that. <laughs> yeah. So. So how did how did that how so did that happen? I guess that the right sales guy, or so our sales guy, go fast, must have got sent the right email to the right person on the right day, because Old Spice was last in the sport with Tony Stewart at, at Stewart House Racing, and for them to come back with us was a, a big surprise. But they just came out with this dry shampoo they were wanting to sell for for guys, which. How many times have you used dry shampoo? Never. Never. And ne neither have I. So trying to get the message out there that dry shampoo is for guys as well as it is for females. Uh, why, why, why do you use it? Just in case just, you're in a I hurry. guess if you've been, yeah, if you're in a hurry, if uh, if you work out, you don't have time to take a shower before a meeting or something, dry shampoo, hmm. and it actually makes your muff all nice and Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, yours looks great today. I think I used dry shampoo that, on it this morning. Is there a product in there? Is that how it sticks up? Yeah, that's a, a Old Spice dry shampoo. Mm, nice. Yeah. So, um so they wanted to get the message they're trying to sell dry shampoo. So they sent the rendering. They're like, this is what we want to use. And it was that one. And I was like, absolutely not. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy that puts my face on the car or have my face on the car at the Daytona 500, right? Like, there's millions of eyeballs on it. 
I'm not going to be that guy. So Archie, the, my car owner, sent, the, sent it back. Like, hey, you know, is there any other option? Is there option B yeah. or C? They sent back, no, no, this one or no, no, this scheme or no scheme, right? So Archie's a guy from Maine, real thick Maine accent. He calls me, hey, Coy, we're putting your face on the car. <laughs> and, and what I honestly, I thought I was going to be taken by the media, like, negatively, because it's like, you know, this, this guy's putting, like, they almost tried to play it like it was my idea to put my face on the car. Yeah which it wasn't, but that was just another media play. I'm glad they didn't, but it was actually received really well. I, I mean, thought it was, it was like awesome. 90% positive, 10% was like, you know, Corey sucks and he just put his face on the car. You know why that 10%, you even know about that 10% Twitter. Yeah. If it wasn't for Twitter, the life would be so much better. Yeah, I agree with that. I only stay on there because I just, I want to make sure I understand some people are stupid. Yeah. And that way it's validated. So that scheme or no scheme. Now you're in the news today, yesterday, I read somewhere where, where you were going to do something with Barstool Sports so, that yeah. they were going to sponsor your car. Well, it started kind of. Tal- was it going to be Talladega? It's going to be this weekend at Talladega. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Barstool and NASCAR did a partnership to try to get some of their demographic, right, to make NASCAR cool again. And I think they're doing a good job too. They, by the way, they do. Yeah, I, so they I love a, that that Dave was at Daytona and, and yeah. the talk around the the track on Barstool. I think yeah, that's good. Yeah, he for actually NASCAR. like. Gr- granted, he came to Daytona because NASCAR paid him to come to Daytona. But when he got there, he's like, "This is actually pretty damn cool." So they had a big setup and a big stage, and I just went and was personable with those guys and say, "Hey, Dave, what's it going to take to get Barstool on a car?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, let's do it." You know, so he goes back to New York and starts thinking about it and he sends back, hey, we gotta do, we gotta do a, uh, a Goodell, they, their thing is a teal, like a teal shirt, Roger Goodell's face with a clown nose. And they send it to me, I'm like, eesh, you know, that's a tree, I don't really wanna go up barking. You know what you should have said, can't we just put that piece of pizza, you know, I, I think that would be a cool paint scheme, the, the piece of pie. Yeah, there was lots of things that, that I recommended to them, and I, I just honestly, I kicked it over to NASCAR and let them break the bad news um, because, you know, you don't really want to get a pissing contest with the NFL, but uh, they, they, Dave came back and, and NASCAR shot it down. They gave him some other options, and he, Dave texted me and said he's clown car bust, <laughs> quote unquote. So, that was that was that. Maybe he'll change his mind and yeah. put some other of his partners on the car. We could run another barstool car because uh, those guys are, they're they're they they walk the line right between being appropriate and not. But they uh, do. Uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. So I didn't even know but, they knew there was a line. That's that's probably that's probably true. So, <laughs> uh, so it makes it but makes. They're it my favorite follow on Instagram. I mean, the some of this I don't understand where they get some of this stuff. It's just crazy. It's am- amateur video, man. It's, it's crazy. Well, and I think people make the videos trying to get them on barstool. Yes. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a different demographic than what I've been used to growing up wearing. What what uh what what did you do on Sunday? This past Sunday, did you watch the Masters? I sat on my couch and watched the Masters. I actually drove uh I drove the motorhome back from Richmond in the morning and landed on the couch. They were earlier this year. I didn't Nine realize. O'clock. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So can you believe they moved the Masters, the biggest day in golf, up? Yeah, roughly finished, six hours and finished at two o'clock two to 30. beat to beat the weather i think that's incredible because it was it was one of the coolest days in sports ever for me yeah you know you talked about getting to nascar we talked about getting to nascar and the, the determination it takes to stay 
that was certainly on display in Augusta, wasn't it? What Tiger has overcome, his injuries. Yeah. His... Well, some, some of those were self-brought upon himself. Well, we know? all, I think that's what I'm mostly guilty of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we all make, we all make <laughs> choices that we regret sometimes. Yes, we but, do. Uh, especially with his injuries and, and that sort of stuff, to just come back and play at the high level he is, to, to be able to win the Masters. Win the Masters. Unbelievable. I, it's not like he's winning just... You know, another tournament. He's won. He's won in the Masters. I started at nine o'clock on on TV, and I turned it on. And until he made that one foot putt on eighteen, I never, I never left. I never left the TV. Yeah. I would grab a beer, uh, use the bathroom, get back, and and never miss, <laughs> never, never miss a shot. And and yeah. I was just so engaged because because of him, Mitch Covington. Are you familiar with Mitch yeah. from Monster? Yeah. I was together with him when he was putting together the deal for. Tiger to have the Monster Energy golf bag, That's cool. and and the and the challenges that he was faced with in in selling that, and then to have have him be injured and not be able to play, and then to come all the way back, it was just a great day. Yeah, it's especially especially being a man. Everybody's a Tiger fan. I don't like I, I don't know who isn't a fan of Tiger. So the, the golfers are. Yeah, yeah, the golfers even like the guy uh, Xander was like, yeah, I guess second's pretty good when you lose a Tiger. Yeah, at, at the Masters. So. I think their checks might be a little bigger these days because of Tiger. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of like the uh, the Dale and and Jeff documentary they put out. Like Dale got everybody motorhomes, Jeff got everybody jets. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's you know Tiger got everybody jets. So yeah. that's that's the impact that Tiger's had. It's. It's awesome to have to root for him. It was. And then another great day in sports we're talking about today, the Boston Marathon, Jimmy Johnson running that. There's just so much going on. And in NASCAR, we're heading to Talladega. Yeah. And you knew, and I don't I hate to say this, but I've been been there, done that. You knew you weren't gonna win Richmond. You just zero, unfortunately, it's a zero point zero chance. You're not gonna win. No. And if anybody says, well, why do you race if you don't win? Because a win for you at Richmond was to get that car in the top 25, 30, yeah. you know, just beat the people well, you're supposed to and some it. that you're not. That's it. There's a, you know, the, the teams that we're not supposed to beat, Richard Perry Motorsports and Front Row. Like, if we beat them, that is a win. Yes. But it's 26th. So it it's, you can't, I'm not going to spray champagne over all my guys for finishing 26th. But they should be celebrated because that's doing that's they, exceeding what our expectations. They are. deserve a pat on the back. Yeah, and for you sure. say, okay, that's something to build on. We got for a sure. week off too. Yeah. But I say all that to say this: we're going to Talladega. Now, I like to tell people that your chance of winning Talladega is not zero. Yeah. It, it's not great because considerably higher than usual. Yes. Yeah. And that and that has to that has to bring some enthusiasm when yeah. you head to Talladega. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't expect a bigger team to want to work with me. So I definitely have to be on the on the defensive side more so than the offensive side. Cause I know if I'm gonna make a move, Chase isn't gonna push me. Besides the fact that I wrecked him yesterday last week in Bristol when he was leading the race. But um, I, I definitely have to be a follower and not a leader at Talladega and take advantage of, of when those big wrecks and happen and try not to be in them. Yeah. Because if you can survive and be one of those last ten cars that are in pretty good shape, then you have a pretty good shot to get up there and make make something work. From the beginning of time, I've always said, you know, with a with a small team winning at Daytona and Talladega, the chances are very, very slim, but it goes up exponentially for you to run second because you can get in the, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's David Reagan, you know, he, yeah. we, we pushed our way all the way up to the, to the, he, I was part of that pack that, that pushed him to the win. Yeah. And so that means it's definitely doable, 
Yeah. It's only going to happen every now and again, but running in the top five is something that I know you can do this weekend. Yeah, so I'm excited to go. Uh, you know, Roush Yates' power in our Ford Mustang is, is certainly pretty good. Yes. Uh, so that Doug, Doug Yates and all those guys work really hard to put good power under our car. So anytime you got that, you have a fighting shot. So I'm excited to go and, and, uh, and, and see Letter Rip. Yeah. Uh, Russell from the Speedway down there invited me to the big one on the boulevard. Do you oh, like to go out to that? I do, yeah. yeah uh, I everybody you likes the boulevard down at Talladega. You got to uh, kind of fly under the radar, though, because people get a little crazy. Yeah. Or you just you just observe it from afar. Yeah. I've seen Jeff Gordon observing it from afar. I don't know about from afar, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe from a close. Yeah, well, we've been we've all been there and done that. Yeah. But, man, I appreciate you coming by. And bef- I had a question for you, though. Okay. So... When you were kind of at the stage in your cup career like I was, oh for, what were you before the Daytona 500? Oh for 462. Now, you won the Winston in between there, though. Yeah. So. And I won a few Bush races. Yeah. So, but, like, what was, how, how did you get the nod for your chance at DEI over others? Well, Dell and I were, were good buddies. And, in fact, we're, we're working with Monster on a documentary about, that day in my career mm-hmm. and Dell and I were buddies and we would go fishing and, and we'd ride around the farm and he would always say you you'd win if you were driving for me uh, you have the ability he raced me every you know every yeah. week he said yeah he's, it's kind of like like what you said you know you, what I what I said about you earlier the peer, your peers noticed right and he's like you, you'd win in my car I'm like, well put me in your car man let's yeah. figure this out and he's the reason why I got to drive for the Wood Brothers when we won the 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 all-star race because he said Michael can do the job and they put me behind the wheel and and we had some success but not not to that to, to the degree that that you know a lot of people just wanted to talk about 0 for 462 right and late in 2000 he decided he wanted to make his two-car cup team and he had an Xfinity car as well he wanted to make it a three-car cup team and he called me up and he said do you you got a contract for next year and I said I got one but not a very good one it's I, I never signed it because I said, I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm I'm tired of settling. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm I, if I have to settle, I'll settle, but I'm tired of settling. He said, just don't sign it, and hung up because he was kind of that way a lot of times. And and I said, wow, what's this all about? Yeah. And he came came back from a meeting with Napa and said, we're going to do this, and you're you're going to drive it. And, you know. How old were you? I was, uh, <laughs> that's what Dale said. He said, he said, how old are you anyway? I said, 38. He said, no, you're not. You're only 35. Yeah. I told him you're only 35. <laughs> so, you know, the thing about, the thing about that, is the, the crazy thing about that is from September when we signed the deal till, till the last lap of the Daytona 500, it was the best time of my life. My, my personal life was perfect. Dale, I think, thought that I really didn't do that great of a job managing my career. You know, yeah. he's, he's seen me seen me win behind the wheel, but I just hadn't really put myself in good spots. Yeah. And I think he felt like he was gonna he was gonna handle all that. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna show me how to do it. And you know, it was a sad sad moment. You know, when he left this world, but knowing that he knew where I was headed, yeah. Dell Jr. and I was headed. I'm I'm a spiritual guy. I'm a Christian. I believe that everything happens for a reason. And if my reason to leave this earth looks anything like his, I'm gonna leave here with a smile on my face. Yeah, I hear you there. So it was, it was, it's, it's been crazy living with it even today. 
it's still it's still really it's like it just happened yesterday. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm 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 one I'm one person away from getting a break like that too, just to see the potential there, right? To yeah, and and I'm I'll say this about Archie, he's he's hanging in there, and it yeah. it'd be cool to see something, you know, something good happen. I'm interested to see what the what that Gen Seven car does and and starts everybody at, at that ground zero, you know, yes. where granted the cream's always going to rise to the top, but you know, uh, Archie knows what he's got to do. It's just hard to find that sponsorship money to get there. So, it's been it's been the highlight of my driving career for sure. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about this Gen Seven car. I've been preaching for years that that you know you're never going to know how good some kid is because he's never going to get that chance to drive a car like like Jimmy Johnson drives. Yeah, it's hard to handicap somebody off what they're you know it's just like your golf handicap, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you, you can fix shoot, that. Yeah, you can't shoot. You can't shoot. Yeah, you can fix that. You can't. Shoot, you can't fix handicap in a, in a race car. No, not at all. You know, you can you can go play a guy if you get enough strokes, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, they're not going to give you any no. laps ahead. They don't give me race. three laps a race to finish on a little. And then, lap. so the Gen Seven car, there's been a lot of talk about it. And basically, what it, it sounds like they're trying to accomplish is that you'll buy a car, one car from a from a supplier, yep. and everybody will have the same car. Yep. Which makes perfect sense because if you think about it back in the 70s and 80s when racing started they called them stock cars for a reason mm -hmm. you know they're basically alike and obviously the petties and the pearsons and the yarbroughs and the woods all those people uh junior johnson they built great race cars but they basically look like stock cars yeah and now they've just gotten out they've gotten so crazily into engineering and well i think that as much as they've engineered they've also got it away from what's relevant on the street mm -hmm. of what they're what the manufacturers yeah let's make it look like yeah another thing that i'll tell you about and then we're gonna wrap this up yeah. i promise noise they're loud they're freaking loud yeah think about this they're safer than they've ever been yeah they're more engineer engineering relevant to to what the world is like today they're sleeker they're more aer aerodynamic and they're louder than they've ever been and when i say this people people freak out Oh, they gotta be loud. My ass, they, they do, they, they, I'm not saying make them quiet. Say, say this is quiet, this corner of the yeah. table. And this is where we are now. Look at all this room we got. Yeah, we can go somewhere in here. Yeah, because the more I ask fans' opinion on the noise, they say, yeah, there's, I, I wouldn't mind them being a little quieter. Because I've always been like, give me all the noise, right? I wanna be able to be like, ah, when I go by. I do too for about five laps. <laughs> yeah, and then you can't hear yourself think. And the thing like, oh. that I think we got the ability to do with technology is maybe they got one decibel level at 9,000 and a different one at 6,000. Yeah. So that when they, they run through those phases, you can actually, and they still don't need, no matter what it is, it doesn't need to be here. Mm -hmm. And if if you think about the, the tracks that they're rebuilding with the infills, fan zones, mm -hmm. it'd be pretty cool to be able to tell your son what he's seeing yeah. instead of saying, oh, all the people at the R&D Center and, and the ones that are behind designing this new car, they got all that stuff in mind. Yeah, think about this too. One last thing. You're on the golf course. We're talking about golf a little bit. You know, you're over about a six-foot putt for $20. <laughs> you hear a Corvette take off from the stop, stop, or a Mustang goes running by with it wound up a little bit. That makes me stop and smile Yeah. because I, I'm that guy. Yeah. What if your Mustang sounded like a Mustang right. and a Camry, a Camry, and yep. a Camaro, a Camaro. I think that's just another thing for the fans I agree. to enjoy and appreciate it. Yeah, so I think it's going to look, it's going to look much better. Well, I think what we have now is awesome, but I think it's going to be more relative uh, to what you see on the on the road here in the next couple of years. So that's cool. Appreciate the your I mean, the schedule is awesome for next year, and it's going to be even 
more cool the, in 2021. So I, I love the direction it's going. I'm going to keep sticking around and keep clawing. Well, like we said at the top of the show, getting here is one thing, staying's another. Yeah. And you've proven, whether it's behind the wheel or, or then becoming a crew chief and then back to driving, you've proven that you, you're a fighter and you're going to be here. And uh, I appreciate you coming by and, and good luck with Talladega and beyond. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, that was certainly a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Corey LaJoy, for coming by our Fox Sports studio. Appreciate your energy, your effort, and how much you're putting into being a star in the NASCAR circuit, Corey. And I appreciate everybody for listening to my podcast. Thank you. You can add us on your favorite podcast app. You could also go in and, and give us a five-star rating. Five of them. I don't know why you wouldn't think it's a good idea. Tell your friends about us and we'll be right back here next time to talk more NASCAR.